But tonight, if you would please turn to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. There's several portions of Scripture I'm going to be turning to, but I want to start at Daniel chapter 2, and I want to just bring your attention on how to face a crisis. There's so many people, as I was seeing, that's going through crisis in their times right now, and we need to know how to handle it. In Daniel chapter 2, I'd like to begin to read in verse 1. And in the second year, the year of in the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans or to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I have dreamed a dream. My spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king and said, in class, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will not make known unto me the dream, with the interpretation thereof, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show me the dream, and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and you will show, we will show, you, show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of certainty that you would gain the time, because you see the thing is gone from me. But if you will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one degree for you, for you have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. Therefore tell me the dream, and I will show that you can show me the interpretation thereof. I will know. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore there is no king, lord, or ruler that asketh such things as any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requires. There is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause the king was angry, very furious. He commanded to destroy all, and I wish you'd underline that little word all there now because it's important, to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And a decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And they saw Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Then Daniel answered with the counsel and wisdom of Eric, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to the Ark, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty before the king? Then I made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired the king that he would give him time, and that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house, made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his captured companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret. And Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we read this simple story, and it's a real story, it's a real happening, 
one of your people, in fact, four of your people, was in a great strait, is about to lose her life, and yet you intervened. And Father, if we could learn a lesson of how to pray like these men did to get answers from you, we can use it today. So we ask you to bless us, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. There's one thing for sure. If you're not going through a crisis or hadn't been through one, you will. Because we're still on this earth. And when you go into a crisis, the question I want to ask tonight is, what should we do uh, to make it right? There are many people listed in the Bible who faced with a crisis, and each one did the same thing. They prayed, and the God of grace heard them. He undertook for them. He guided them and brought them safely through their crisis. Now, set before us here in Daniel chapter 2 is a man in crisis. Really, God's four godly men. That is, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and old Daniel. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar had a very amazing dream in verse 1. But he had forgotten it. So he summed up his magician and sorcerers and Chaldeans, wise men, and demanded they should be revealed a dream to him together with the interpretation of it. Now the wise men protested, and he told the king it was impossible. Now this made the king furious. He ordered all these men to be killed, and it included Daniel and his friends. Then Daniel sought an interview with the king and promised that he would reveal the dream and the meaning of it, in verse 14 and 16. Now, that was a brave thing to do. You think about it. Daniel and his three friends were in a real crisis. Just one of many that they would face in their Christian life. But each time old Daniel faced a crisis, he prayed. Now, God gives us an example to follow in his work for every kind of crisis in our lives. For instance, I believe we're living in a national crisis. And uh, if you would, please turn over now, and I'll show you what to do in a time of uh, national crisis. I listened to the president today in his speech, half of it, until I got sick and I turned it off. But uh, I, I really believe that our country is in a mess. And uh, it, it's a time. And so if you could turn over with me to Second Chronicles for just a minute, in chapter 4. Second Chronicles chapter 4. And I'd like to read verse 11 and verse 12. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, while we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Now notice what they did here. They prayed, and God gives them the victory. Now that's in a, a national crisis. In a time of religious crisis. Turn over to Acts chapter 4. And I also believe that we're living in a time of religious crisis in this country. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, just back up a little bit. And let's read verse 23 down to verse 31. Verse 23. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet, 
shall be destroyed from among his people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant, which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And of thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son, sent him to bless you and turn away every one of you from his iniquities. I was talking to little Ronnie last night or the night before, and he said, I was telling him about uh, uh, a church that I was talking to men just yesterday that he goes to, and he said, Preacher, they, they quit having choirs in the church, and they quit singing out a song, but all across the country, I thought it was just around here. And I was relating to him uh, some things that I've been hearing. And he said, no, it's all across the country. And what they're doing, they have a few in the choir, and then they'll sing maybe a songbook, out the songbooks or anything. And then they bring forth a, somebody maybe with a guitar or something, they sit there and they have a, what they call a praise service. They shout and carry on and just two or three will sing or, or something. Uh, songs that uh, are not in not the old hymnals, not power in the blood, not that kind, but praise the Lord kind of so. Now, where you believe it or not, uh, you can sing all you want to about everything in the world, but what we need to center on, according to the scriptures in our song message, in our preaching message, is the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood for our sins. And by the way, music sets the mode for the preaching. The mood for preaching. It gets your heart right. Years ago we had a young man came and studied music and the effects of music on uh, on man. And uh, he said, and he showed, we had a young uh, group at that time, big young group, and he came to show the young people how much uh, damage listening to the wrong kind of music can have and how music affects your emotions. And he said, you can play, and he played one kind of music, it makes you sad. You play another kind of music, it makes you happy and glad. And he said, you can say, God bless America, and everybody else, want, everybody wants to stand and salute the flag. And he said, music affects you. And he went on to show that that's the reason you got to be very careful in the church, the music that you sing in church. Because church music... It goes along with the scriptures, sets your emotions to get it ready, and let the Holy Spirit use your emotion to get it ready for the preaching of the Word of God, and you're, then you rightly respond to the Word of God. But without the right music, it's hard to get through it. And people don't understand that. And when it comes to religious crisis, we need to pray for our churches. Now, I thank God for every church around here. I really mean it. I, I was talking to somebody about Bell Shows Church, the First Baptist Church of Brandon, and the First Baptist Church of, uh, and, and several big churches around here that I praise God for. And I mean, not just this church, but I praise God for every one of them. But they're, they're stopped doing the old things that got them where they got it. I asked a man one time, uh, did he. Uh, preached the old King James Bible and the church grew out of the wall and he built buildings and everything. God blessed soul being saved. And he went to the American Standard Version instead of the King James Bible. And I said, why would you do that? If God blessed the King James Bible and you preaching the King James Bible 
and people getting saved and life didn't change, why would you change? He said, because people want to hear the other side of it. But there ain't no excuse. And what I'm trying to say is, whether you believe it or not, we're having a religious crisis in this country right now. We need to pray about it. When it comes to domestic problems, we need to pray. I want to show you something. Turn over to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And I want you to look at verse 36. Now there was a Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabatha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper room. And for as much as Lydia was not to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the windows by him was widows by him was weeping, and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth, and kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body, said to Batha, Arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand, and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa. What I'm seeing is, when it comes to a domestic problem like this, of people being sick and being out of sorts, what are we supposed to do? It's a crisis. We need to pray. Now, how do you go about praying? If you're going to get answered with God, how do you start? How do you, how do you go about this thing? Now, I know we should, all of us pray, and I do my best pray for every meal. I never sit down. If I, if I catch myself, sometimes I slip up, and I like what old Dr. Rice said. Dr. Rice used to come to our suppers we had, and he'd go through the line first. Of course, we honored him, and he'd go through the line first. He'd get his meal, go sit down at the table, start eating. Somebody said, Dr. Rice, you're going to eat for everybody else. Before we asked the blessing, he said, Lord, that blessing is just a good energy that can't help. <laughs> You'll get that directly. Anyhow, he, he would sit down, and when everybody get to the table, they'd ask the blessing, and he'd go back to eating. Now, sometimes I forget to pray, but when I sit down, I think we all ought to pray over our meals. But there's more to pray than just meals. How do you go about it? Number one, set a time for prayer. The first thing Daniel asked the king for was time. Do you notice that? He wanted time to pray. Daniel had a set time or times for prayer, according to Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now, I believe the first thing we need to do in times of crisis, in the set of time for our prayer, a definite time to seek God's face and place a crisis in God's hands. If you don't set a time to pray over a certain thing, you won't get it done. There'll be everything in the world come up. You've got to set a time. I'm going to pray in a given time. Number two, go to the place of prayer. Now, just go back to Daniel for just a minute and look at verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, 
myself or seven so what I want you to see then Daniel went to his house he went to a place Daniel prayed three times a day the Bible said now watch this please you need a place to pray you need a secret place if I can put it that way uh, do you remember what Jesus said enter into your closet <clears throat> I don't know if he meant to actually go in a closed closet or he meant to just go to a place alone get alone get by yourself and pray. But I do know one thing. We need a place, don't we? To pray. Now, Jesus had a place to pray in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And so we need a personal place to pray. Number three, we need to seek fellowship in prayer. Matthew 18, verse 19. Jesus encourages us to seek fellowship. Pray for, pray with. We're two together in my name. He said, I'll answer your prayer. So you need a prayer partner to pray with And Daniel sought out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to pray with him. Uh, be definite in your prayer. <laughs> Look at verse 18. That they would desire mercies of God, of heaven, concerning this secret. Now I want you to watch some. I've been in prayer meetings. I mean, I've been in prayer meetings where we prayed all night long. We would gather in churches and everybody would get a pew. And we would pray all night long till they break. And I remember I listened to men's prayers and some that inspired me in prayer. But I would listen to some pray for the cat and the dog and the house and everything else in the world. You know, have nothing to do with anything. Uh, just wasting words. And I wonder, I wonder how high their prayers got. <laughs> you know? What I'm talking about, if you got a headache, pray for a headache. Amen? For relief of a headache. <laughs> if you need your finances took care of, pray for God to you take care of them. Whatever you're needing in that crisis, make it definite to God, Lord, I need your help in this thing. And God said He would answer that prayer. Now, what do you need for God? Is it money or healing or enduring suffering? Or if it's courage, whatever you need to pray for, God said and mention it, call it by name to God. Number five, watch your motives in prayer. Now look at verse 18 with me. That they would desire mercies of God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows would not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Why were they praying? They didn't want to die. Amen? They were praying they could live. You better watch your motives for prayer. Did you know that uh, Jesus taught uh, that we are to watch how what we ask, do we ask amiss? James says that when we pray in chapter 4, verse 3, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. You know what I read that and I thought of? I thought about that lady who came forward one Sunday. She said, Preacher, will you come down and pray? I went down and prayed with her. I said, Can I help you? She said, yeah. I want you to pray that God will let me win the lottery for a million dollars. I'll give the church a thousand dollars. I ain't praying for you, you gamble. Amen. I mean it. I got up and left and said, I'm not going to do it. That's, that's the wrong motive for praying. And what, what we want to do, you know why I pray? I love to tell people how God answered my prayer. You know why? 
because I want them to know the God that can answer prayer. That's my motive behind my prayer. Lord, I need this help. I need this to be answered. But at the same time, I will glorify Your name in it because I want everybody to know i got a loving God to answer my prayer. That's the motive for prayer. And I want you to notice the exercise that we are to exercise faith when we pray. Now, in verse 18, Daniel prayed for mercies of the God in heaven. In other words, Daniel knew in his heart when he offered his prayer that God would hear and answer him. Did you know it's important? <clears throat> let, let me see. I can't remember where it's at. But it's, in, it's in the book of Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's what the Hebrew says. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. If you're going to pray, you've got to really believe there's a live God. Number two, you've got to believe that God loves you and He wants to answer your prayer. You don't know how to beg Him. I laugh at people. Now, I do know the book of Matthew says because you, don't, you ask amiss when you pray, some people do. And continual asking. And he gave an illustration of prayer. And that illustration is there was a man came and woke another man up and got him to... Uh, he said, I got a friend coming to eat with me tonight and I don't have anything to put on the table for him. And would you get up and give me some bread to feed my friend that's coming over? And the Bible says that that friend behind the closed door that had the bread said, go back and leave me alone. I'm in bed asleep. And he said he kept on knocking till he got up and gave him some bread. Amen? Now, you have to understand Back in the Oriental days, they all slept in the same bed or the same room together, and he didn't want to wake up everybody. He didn't want to be bothered. But because of his continual knocking, and that was the illustration that Jesus gave when it comes to prayer. You know what most of us do? We pray for something that we really want God to do, and God don't answer it. The next five minutes, we give up. We give up. Well, God ain't going to answer that then. Well, how do you know? It might not be He's going to answer it on your term and it's your time. But the Bible has promised us that He will answer our prayers. And Dr. Rice gives the best illustration of that that I can think of. And he said He'll answer it in three different ways. He'll either say yes to whatever you're asking or He'll say no to whatever you're asking or He'll say wait a little while. But it always answer your prayers. And sometimes we... And think about this. Aren't you glad for unanswered prayers? How many times have you ever prayed for something and later on you say, Boy, I'm so glad God didn't give me that. You ever prayed for a pretty woman or a, pretty, a handsome man in your life and you didn't get him or you didn't get her and later on you found out, Boy, I'm glad I didn't get that one. <laughs> Amen. That's just an example of what I'm talking about. When you think about that for just a minute. We pray for things that we want God to answer our prayers about, and God doesn't do it right off the bat. And we say, well, God didn't answer our prayers. Oh, yes, He did. Yes, He did. He'll do it at His time. And we need to wait on Him, and we need to have faith that God has, hears us and answers us. One other thing, we need to receive the answer. Now, I want you to look at verse 19. Go back, please. And I'll quit in verse 19. 
in Daniel chapter 2, verse 19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Amen. You know what it said? Isn't it good to get a prayer answered and then turn around and thank God for answered prayer? I have been as high as two years that God is something that I prayed for way back there and then I got it up here and I said, wait a minute. I remember praying for that. And I prayed to God I'd get it. And here I have got it and I stopped right there and thank God for answered prayer. I've done that just on the spot. But it ain't always on the spot. Later on, when God does answer our prayers, oh, we'll stop and give thanksgiving for answered prayers. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Amen? Prayer is very important. And I... I, I do know this. I have prayed for people that the doctor said, Preacher, I've done all I can do. Now you need to pray. No. You need to pray before it ever started. Prayer comes first. Amen. Pray for the right doctor. Pray for the right medicine. Pray for everything first. And then God blesses. Amen. So we need to learn how to pray. But we also need to pray. And pray for one another. Stand with me, please. Father, we, I'm so glad that I've had people pray in all of my ministry. Ever since I can go back to the day I got saved. And I remember praying that I would get saved. People would pray that I got saved. And after they, I got saved, people prayed I'd be called to preach. And then God, everything that I look back on my life, that you blessed in my life greatly, it was because of somebody's prayer. And they let me know so later on. And Father, I pray, don't let us sin against not praying for people like we ought to, because you have commanded us to pray. Bless us, we do pray tonight in Jesus' name now. Amen. Thank you so much.